0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Somi Aryan, and we're going to explore some of the challenges of building in the world of Web3 right now in the midst of a bear market. If you're thinking about doing anything in Web3, I think you're going to find today's discussion very insightful. By the way, I'm at Stelsner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter and at Web3Examiner on Warpcast. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow this show by clicking the follow button on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss any of our future interviews. We've got an incredible lineup coming your way. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Somi Aryan. Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey, here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Somi Ariane. If you don't know who Somi is, she is the founder of InPeak, an online learning platform that helps marketers and entrepreneurs learn about emerging technologies. She's also author of Career Fear and How to Beat It, and she's host of the Somi Ariane podcast. Somi, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you. I'm doing great. Actually, I was thinking since we last spoke, the description of the platform has changed, but we can talk about that.
0: Well, for sure. Let's talk about that. Today, Somi and I are going to explore the challenges of building in a bear market. We're recording this in the summer of 2023, and we're in the midst of a bear market. And we're also going to talk about Web3 business models. One of the big questions that I think a lot of people have on their mind as we're recording this, Somi, in America, at least, the Securities and Exchange Commission has decided to sue the two largest crypto exchanges, Finance and Coinbase. A lot of people are like, oh, no, this is horrible, right? Including myself. I, I don't feel very good about it. I'm not going to lie. Despite all the uncertainty of the world that we're in right now, should businesses focus on Web3? And if they should, what are some of the advantages despite the fear and uncertainty that's going on right now?
1: yeah, that's a good question. It's a topic that's on all of our minds. As you know, I recently recorded a video about how I'm thinking about you know incorporating other web three adjacent fields like AI and you know other emerging technologies. And the truth is that web three foundationally, I don't think web three is going to go anywhere. You know what I mean by that is that it's it's going to come back. It's it, you know, it's always been cyclical. There's something here, you know, foundationally, there's something here. And I think what's really exciting. Sorry, you, if you at hey. my cat in the background. We love cats, let
0: them keep going. <laughs> yeah. you know, what you're saying is you believe there's something fundamental here, right? And there's something exciting you're about to say. So what is exciting about it? Let's talk about that a little
1: bit. What's really interesting about Web3 and more and more people, as they discover it, they will appreciate it, is that It's the way that we can circumvent big tech and governments. And when people understand that, and there's something really exciting about it here, that I I think that people are gonna see a new opportunity for, for new types of business models and business opportunities that will free them, or even if it doesn't free them to some degree, it will enable them to do something that doesn't completely rely on Facebook and Google and all the other big tech. I think it's just a matter of more and more people discovering it, as simple as that. And the way that they discover it is by us building applications that will allow that to happen. So NFTs was one of them, DeFi was one of them. Unfortunately, both of those, because of the hyper-financialization of it, they played in the hands of the regulators in a way. And that hasn't helped us. So we need to work on that as a community. You know, there's there's something really interesting in, in blockchain technology. And the more I think about it, the more I realize I have a sense of belonging here that I don't have outside. I don't have that sense of belonging. You know, there's no such thing as an AI community. There's no such thing as... You know any other community in anything else? There's there's nothing like Web three. Web three really like you know it, it. There's a real sense of community here, and I think there's something fundamental here. Uh, it's it's super exciting, and I I don't think we should throw this away.
0: You know I think about how uh, back in the late '90s when the internet started popping, there weren't that many people that were doing websites back then, right? And it was just very basic stuff and we had this little boom, if you will, right around the year 2000, right, around Y2K and slightly thereafter, where all this money was coming into the market. And it was pets.com and every com you could possibly imagine. It seems like a similar story with Web3. We had this season where all this money came in and it was mostly in, in cryptocurrencies and specifically NFTs. But what ended up happening in the early 2000s was legit businesses started developing on this thing called the internet, which I often refer to as the great equalizer, because prior to the internet, there was very large entities that controlled everything, right? Controlled who got on television, who got on the radio, controlled who got their products to market. And the internet allowed anyone to pop up a little shop and all of a sudden become successful. And it seems like there's there's little fragments of this coming back to the world of web three. Do you sense that a little
1: bit? A hundred percent. You know, I was thinking the other day there's this new artist that I've discovered recently. I've been talking about him everywhere. his name is Ren. Uh, I think I mentioned to you uh, when yeah. we were, at yeah, hi Ren. So uh, like, uh, it's a great example of, you know, I've been thinking how people can, uh, you, people like him can build a community and they can really like monetize their community. They, they don't need, uh, it, this is beyond just putting your content on Spotify. It's, it's another level of building a community that will be happy to fund you, that will be happy to support you so that you can then give back to them and, and keep, uh, you know, creating for them and build this really strong sense of, it's a little bit like a football club in some ways. You know, I think that's what Web3 enables, you know, it's, it's like that sense of, that's what an NFT community is. It's like, you know, it's like a f- football club. So I think the future of internet is communities and the future of digital identity is the communities that you are part of and uh, you know what we are building on Impeak initially what you described in the beginning of uh, the conversation initially it was what you you explained which was a, a platform for learning education metric it's much more than that now it's a platform for other communities to build on our, on our platform right and the way we see it is that these communities will then enable you know by being part of each of these communities, you're building a picture of your digital identity, and that sense of belonging. You know, as we go increasingly live in the metaverse, uh, you know, and live in a digital environment, your identity becomes part of the community communities that you're part of. Right. So um, that's exciting, and and that identity is decentralized you know in a sense that yes there are and, you know it brings together the picture of the different communities you are part of but it can be zero knowledge proof people don't need to know exactly who you are you know so you can build a reputation around your di- digital identity without necessarily ever compromising on on sharing your real identity and your digital identity over time can become more important that, than than your meat suit identity in some ways.
0: We had a chance to hang out a lot at all sorts of conferences here in the United States over the last couple of months. And I'd love you to share, like what I know about you is I know that you have another business, which I believe is an agency. And then you've got this business in Peak that you've been working on for at least, it feels like coming up on two years. And you've been through kind of the highs of the market and the lows of the market. So tell us a little bit about What it's like to build a Web3 business, specifically in the midst of a bear market, because I know not easy is the short answer, but let's let's talk it through a little bit just so people can understand, like there's always opportunity. I mean, I know you believe this and I believe this when everyone else is scared to build, sometimes is the best time to build. But, you know, you've learned a lot, obviously, over the last couple of years since you've been doing this. So, you know, what are some of the challenges and what have you learned?
1: Building a Web3 business is extremely difficult. Because you're dealing with so many, so many aspects to it. First of all, there you're dealing with so many things that are first-time paradigm, you know, that there's no previous paradigm roadmap to to look at. One of those is the aspect of value creation on internet. This is a layer of the internet that is allowing us to create value. And by creating value, you know, these tokens that we create, we are creating money. We've never had that before. There's never been any time in history that individuals could create money. And essentially, by creating these tokens, we are creating money.
0: Well, and when you say tokens, you could also mean NFTs, right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Any token. Yeah. Yeah. Tok- yeah.
1: Like fungible tokens, non-fungible tokens, any tokens, And even, even so, bound tokens in the sense that, you know, let's say, for example, I can now create verifiable credentials. And as long as the value of those verifiable credentials depend on the reputation that I build for the content that I'm creating, right? So in a similar way that you could get a degree from, you know, some unknown university in a small town somewhere, or you could get a degree from Harvard. Maybe they teach the same thing, but Harvard is is getting that reputation that, um, you know, the value of that certification is high because of the, you can call it marketing, you can call it whatever, but because of the, the reputation that Harvard has built. So in a similar way, the tokens that we build, in some ways they're similar to, let's say, US dollar, as opposed to, you know, Zimbabwe, you know, whatever their money is or, or Iranian, you know, real or whatever. So it's the first time that anybody can create money, essentially, anybody can create value and therefore anybody can create money. What is a token? A token is a unit of value on the blockchain, and the blockchain is permissionless. It's not every blockchain, but you know the 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 kind of blockchains that we are talking about here, like Bitcoin and ETH and Ethereum, and all, all these uh, sort of bigger kind of permissionless blockchains. So, so anybody can create a token on these uh, blockchains. So one of the biggest uh, difficulties in building a Web three business is First of all figuring out the the mechanics of building a token economy for your business. The second thing is not everybody's ready for that. So you potentially need to find a way to monetize both in the traditional sense and in the token sense. And to give you an example which is like really ironic is that when I talk to VCs, even web3 VCs, they ask for things like you know, churn rate, you know, they ask for things like metrics, like, you know, a monthly revenue, whereas in token economy, you don't have those. It's a completely different story. So even Web3 VCs are still thinking in that terms. And it's like, you know, you need to make a decision. Are you a Web3 VC or are you a, you know, a traditional VC? And it's like, you can't be camel when it suits you and and be ostrich when it suits you, you know, between camel and ostrich, you need to decide. <laughs> in, in Persian, an ostrich, we call it shot which means camel chicken. Camel chicken. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Camel chicken. So so it's like a chicken that's a camel, right? And then and then we're like, you can't be a chicken when it suits you and you can't uh, and be a camel when it suits you. You need to decide, right? So a lot of Web3 businesses are under this immense pressure, you know, the ones who made money during the bull market, maybe had a drop during the bull market, they were successful, they made enough money, hopefully that it will last them until the next bull market. And they need to figure it out in the meantime. The ones who didn't have a drop during the bull market like us, we need to figure out a way to last long enough until the next bull market comes and keep building, right?
0: Well, and let's just clarify what you mean by a drop during the bull market. Just for those that don't understand the term.
1: Yeah, an NFT drop.
0: Yeah, right. So those that had the advantage of doing an NFT drop like in 2021, like Gary Vaynerchuk or Tom Billio and many others, right? They got in when the money was good and also when royalties were still there, right? And now it's down and it's not good. Yeah,
1: and, and talk about uh, talking about the royalties, uh, so that's another thing, right? Like, you know, another reason why there is no monthly revenue, there's no incentive for web3 creators to encourage volume you know uh, that there will be a volume of trade for their for the tokens there's no why should we do it because if people don't want to pay royalty why should we do it right well and
0: it's also a counterintuitive business model because if you're trying to develop community the whole
1: yeah exactly
0: is to retain it not necessarily flip it right
1: yeah exactly right so so that's another thing right so the whole concept of volume, it's just counterintuitive because do you really want to keep people in your community or do you want to let them go and new people come in because you need the royalties? It's just, you know, these are all the things that we need to iron out. But all of these things can be sorted, you know, and part of the reason why we have this is because of this supply and demand. There are more tokens than there is demand for them. That will change over time as more people come in and uh, people will start to eventually, I mean, I'm hoping people will start to eventually think of these tokens uh, a little bit less speculative and more in terms of, okay, in a similar way that let's say, you know, not every, every time I buy a camera, I know, uh, you know, I'm a filmmaker, but every time I buy a camera, I know that in a, maybe in about 18 months, I will buy a new camera and I will sell the previous one. So. it it could be that these tokens will become a similar kind of way where you can, you know, that you can sell them at some point on, you know, how we sell things on eBay, you know, that, that you can sell them because you no longer need to be part of that community, but you don't buy it specifically just so that you can sell. And I think if we can get to that place where you know that you can always exit a community and get at least some of your money back, but that's okay. But when you you buy it with the view that this must go up, that is hard because and it takes a long time to build a business to a point that it creates so much value that it's going to create, you know, you know what I mean? Like if you're relying on that token to bring you sufficient revenue so that you can build things, it's impossible to constantly like you to, to keep that the price of that token up. You know, it's extremely difficult.
0: These are all legit struggles that are definitely going on in the industry right now. Um, The other side of the equation here is that there's a lot of people that have been scared out of the market. So the statistics that I'm looking at show that the active participants in NFTs, for example, has gotten really, really, really low. And the problem with that is we know this, you and I as entrepreneurs and marketers, that there's a big old audience out there outside the web three world who eventually hopefully will be coming into this world, but they're not there right now. And a lot of them are scared by the news cycle and the big media narrative about it being bad. You know, as a result, a lot of people are wondering about these business models. Like should they have a web three business model? Should they have a web 2.5, which is vernacular that we use in the industry that my audience may not understand. So let's talk about, you know, from your perspective, Web3 business models as of now, kind of what's working, what's not working? Does it make sense to start Web2 and move into Web3? Does it make sense if you started with Web3 to scale back to Web2.5? Let's kind of talk it out a little bit.
1: I definitely think that everybody should learn about Web3 and be prepared because what will happen is that when the next bull market comes and it will come, you know, everybody is going to want to jump in. And it will be too late. It will be too difficult, uh, you know? So so you need to start building your foundation and learn about it, get involved. This is the best time to get involved because everything's cheap. And jump in, pick up some tokens from some NFTs from various communities that have got different things to offer and, uh, and start learning. Because what you learn in the bear market will help you launch. You know, I'm not saying go out and do a full-on, you know, onboarding process for your, you know, uh, your audience, but keep learning about it now. This is the best time to educate yourself because it's, it's cheap to educate when it's expensive, when the bull market comes, it's extremely expensive. And that happened to me, as you know, you know, I picked up some really expensive tokens during the uh, bull market. You and me both. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was specifically because I wanted to go to certain events in nFDMYC, which uh, we talked about before, I think, where I couldn't go because of my ESTA getting denied and all that stuff. But eventually that's, that got sorted a little bit too late. But but the point is that, you know, when, when the time comes, everybody will have FOMO and everybody wants to jump in and then it's going to be too expensive. It, it won't be too late, but it will be too expensive. And in some ways it can be too late as well, because you know, like uh, people who are here now, like us, you know, and are preparing, they will uh, seize the moment when the moment comes. And there is only so much liquidity and so much that that people are willing. And then you, we will have built trust with communities. You know, uh, whereas if you come in in the bull market, it takes time to build trust. And when the when it's frothy, everybody wants to come in.
0: Well, let's talk about your views on Web two point five versus Web three, and kind of whether or not you know it, you, how would you advise a friend, let's say hypothetically, who wants to get into this space, or whether they which approach they might take from your perspective on how you define these things.
1: For somebody who has not built any foundation in Web three, I would not recommend starting building a business in Web three at this point, because unless you've already built some level of trust with the Web three community like we have done for the past 2 years you know it's a hard time right now to tap into that because people are are not in a great mood you know like because of the regulations and everything like if somebody asked me this question maybe even 9 months ago i would say it's still a good time you know just go ahead and and build something in web3 but right now i say i don't recommend people building i just recommend people connecting, learning, educating themselves, learning as much as possible. You know, we've got 300 hours of content on everything to do with Web3 on, on our platform, for example. So much of it is free. You know, you can like literally pick up a token for like a hundred quid and get access to everything. Everything's cheap right now. It's like, you know, you can just go shopping and, and pick up a few things and learn as much as possible. So I would say it's the time to learn Start connecting with the right people, you know, on social media, specifically on Twitter mainly, you know, and join a few discords and just keep learning as much as possible and watch the market and start educating your audience. So let's say if you have got, you know, your, for example, one of the things we're doing on, on our platform, we're enabling you to, let's say if you have a community, you know, one of the things you can do is we are going to enable you to upload a csv of emails and give access to those people to your channel you know we are doing the same thing by uploading a csv of wallets so let's say for example you can tell your audience here's a video on how to create your first wallet once you create your wallet send me the wallet address and then i will give you access to this you know specific content or event or something like that so you can educate people to at least start creating their wallets, to start you know learning about the Web3 concepts, what it is. But one of the things about Web3 is that until you buy a token, join a community, you don't really fully understand it. It's only after you do it that you understand it. For anybody who is thinking about building a business in Web3, this is a great time to buy and great time to join and learn and learn as much as possible so that you're prepared. So learn and teach other people. I think this is the education time.
0: So me, you're starting to get into some interesting and exciting new frontiers. I wanna talk a little bit about AI, but we're gonna go there in a bit. But first I wanna talk about Bitcoin ordinals. And I know that you're early in your journey into this space. I also know that I'm early into my journey with this space. So we're gonna kind of like explore this Together, knowing full well, there's people that know a lot more about this than we do. So, why don't you explain from your perspective what they are, why you are bullish on them, if you still are, and then maybe a little bit about what you're thinking about doing with them, specifically related to your business?
1: Depending on when you're releasing this, I don't know how much I can say about it, but essentially, Bitcoin ordinals are Bitcoin NFTs. This is a new way of inscribing onto the Bitcoin blockchain, you know. Unique, you can call it I don't know artifacts or you know unique items you know that that they will be there forever and and you can create value, you know you can create essentially like if you understand, nFTs is similar to that on the Bitcoin blockchain. You can token gate with them. You can do all sorts of things pretty much the same as on Ethereum.
0: Just real quick, let me just add a little bit more on that. So I recently purchased my very first Bitcoin ordinals in the last few days. And my understanding of ordinals is NFTs can mean a lot of different things, right? Like with an Ethereum-based NFT, for example, the art can live somewhere else and you can point to it, right? So example, art could be hosted up on Amazon AWS servers and it could change, and all that kind of fun stuff. And you can do a lot of stuff with Ethereum-based NFTs. But with Bitcoin NFTs, you're right, they are inscribed and they live inside the block on the chain. So most of the art in the Bitcoin ordinal's world is very pixelated, very simple art. And it is a new concept that's only been around maybe six to nine months as of this recording. And even only recently, could you even get them on these NFT exchanges like Magic Eden is the one that most people are using right now, which I think is magiceden.io. They, in the beginning, it was really complicated and technical and I didn't get in because it was too complicated. But now the thing that's tricky about it is you do have to use your Bitcoin to actually buy these, right? And there is a limited supply of Bitcoin, where Ethereum has no cap on the supply. So this is part of the equation, right? Which is, do you want to spend your Satoshis or your, you know, do you want to spend your Bitcoin on this thing, you know, that is a piece of art that may or may not be around forever, right? So that's a little bit about how I look at what it is. So now keep going with what your thoughts are on them.
1: Two caveats there. One, even though uh, I wouldn't say that Ethereum doesn't have any cap. It's actually potentially deflationary in many ways, but that's a separate um, conversation. It's
0: true, it's deflationary, but it's, and it's at the same time, they're also paying out obviously 5% a year to everybody who stakes, right? So there's the possibility that there could be more, but you're right, that's correct.
1: And secondly, there is now a way, and and I know this from talking to another Bitcoin Ordinal's marketplace called Gamma, and we are going to be releasing with them I know that they are also, they're working now on having uh, storing the high quality version of the artwork on a separate location. And essentially in, let's say in media, I mean, for people who may understand filmmaking as a, you know, approximation or analogy in filmmaking, sometimes when a file is too heavy, uh, we convert it into a very low-quality version, which we call proxy. And then we edit with that proxy. So when you're sending the file to somebody in another country, you can send the proxy and they can edit. And then you can reconnect and download the uh, high-quality version on on your local computer. It's kind of like that. So you can think of the the version that sits on the blockchain as the proxy version, and then you can have the high-quality version on a separate place. And these are linked together. So there's, there's that as well. So people are thinking about all sorts of issues, you know, all sorts of kind of ways of circumventing the challenges that comes with this. What interests me about this is that I feel like it's breathing a whole new life into the space, into the Web3 space. People are excited about it. And I think it can potentially bring a whole new group of people into the world of NFTs that may not have been bullish on it before. So people who are in the Bitcoin camp, you know, it, it really, to me personally, I think NFTs are the most interesting part of Web3 because they are the part that can be used by brands, that can be used by, you know, general public, by small businesses. Anybody can use NFTs. I see NFTs as a little bit like the next social media you know, like it's it's kind of like likes and comments and all those things on a steroid. So personally, I'm most interested in NFTs as the consumer facing part of Web3, but not just consumer facing. I think that even in the B2B space, NFTs, is, I can see them as being everywhere and really enabling us in the metaverse. You know, I think they they will unlock things for us. So I'm, I'm extremely bullish on anything to do with NFTs, super interested in them. And I think that they can unlock so much value in a way that's really accessible and that other types of tokens, like fungible tokens are so much more complicated, whereas NFTs are. So that's why I think that NFTs uh, being on Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin is the most decentralized blockchain. It has the most brand recognition, I think this is huge.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, it's the very first cryptocurrency, right? So it's the very first one. It was originally designed to just do one very basic thing. Somebody got innovative and they figured out a way to use some of the space inside of the block, for lack of better words, to store things that are like images. And all of a sudden was born these things called ordinals, right? And funny enough, I've got a lot of friends, former marketing friends who are now into crypto who are Bitcoin maximalists, right? And for those who don't know what that means, it means Bitcoin is the only way, right? And nothing else matters. Well, all of a sudden they're like, what is this NFT world? Ethereum is leaking into our ecosystem warning, warning. You know, But then now slowly but surely they're starting to see, oh, we can do more with Bitcoin than we thought. We can actually create these new models of assets, if you will, that live inside the overall ecosystem known as Bitcoin. Eyes are being opened to a lot of these people that are traditionally just Bitcoin as a currency into now, oh, it can do all sorts of fascinating things. So I was very skeptical when it first came out. I didn't believe it was going to survive. I'm still not 100% sure it's going to survive, but it certainly looks like the trends are all moving in the right direction. And just recently this weekend, ETH ordinals has rolled out. I don't know if you heard about that or not, but Ethereum inscribing on the ETH blockchain, which is kind of confusing and all that fun stuff. Okay. AI is the other obvious big frontier. You and I both know that artificial intelligence is the The adoption of AI tools like ChatGPT are the fastest adoption of any technology in the history of the world, right? And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on how it will impact the business world in particular.
1: As you know, I wrote a book about the impact of AI on the future of work way before anybody was talking about it in, you know, in in the mainstream. So my book came out, I, I wrote it into 2019. It came out in 2020. So The book is called Career Fear and How to Beat It and it's all basically about AI. So everything that I talked about in the book, I was basically saying that it could happen in the next five to 15 years and it's already happening. You know, with COVID-19, I remember that when COVID happened, I wrote an article called COVID-19 and the Future of Business, Technology and Democracy. That was, I think, around April or May, 2021, when COVID was like in the third, 2020, when COVID was like, you know, the lockdowns had started. And what I wrote in that article basically was like, everything I said about in my book is going to happen faster. And and it has, right? So I was like, everything I said that's going to happen in the next five to 15 years is now going to happen in the next one to three years. And it's it has. And it's a fascinating topic. I'm super excited about it i'm not scared you know whatever happens you know i'm like i know that a lot of people are worried about it i'm like if the next iteration of a humanity or the next you know evolution of humanity is upon us bring it on you know i'm i'm not scared but i do not like us to be in the back seat i want us to be in the front seat and be co-evolving with these technologies so as a tech philosopher and a transition architect. This is, um, transition architecture was a term that I coined in my book for the first time, because I was trying to come up with a way to explain what I was trying to do. So a transition architect is somebody who understands these technologies and helps other people come to terms with them. And many of us are, you are a transition architect. Many of us are transition architects. You know, and basically the reason why I use the word architect is that, so that we are not passive users, you know, so we want to be architects of this technology and have a, have a say in them. And every time we use these technologies, we design them, we build around them, you know, build businesses around them. We are impacting them and we really need to become involved and not allow ourselves to be just, you know, passive observers in this, in this space. So overall, super excited about AI, super bullish about it. You know, it is indeed going to take away a lot of tasks, uh, not not necessarily full jobs, but but in some ways, it's going to take a lot of tasks, and most of those tasks are not worth somebody sitting there trying to do them. It's just going to make us so much more efficient, so that we can go to the next level. And there are enough problems to solve in the world, and if AI enables us to solve the problems of physics and constraints of economics and and all sorts of things we are just going to live a better life we just we can just we just need to think bigger so personally i'm not worried about this technology i understand that it is going to have a massive impact as a transition architect my goal is to help as many people as possible and empower them to think bigger and go to the next level and do more
0: so tell me what your thoughts are for specifically for the entrepreneurs and the business folk listening, right? How ought we think about AI? Should we, should we think of it as a competitive differentiator and fully embrace it? I mean, give me your thoughts on how we can use it to get ahead.
1: What I would say I would do is everything that you're doing, ask yourself, can I use AI to do this? If I can, if, if, I, if it saves me even 20 minutes. If, if a task is currently taking me two hours, but with AI, I can do it in 20 minutes, then let's do it. The biggest barrier right now is language because there are many things that we can't explain to AI to do for us because it's hard to explain them. So for example, if I have an image in my mind, it's extremely difficult to explain it to AI. But that barrier will be resolved with things like Neuralink and other technologies being built, where if I can connect my brain to an interface and I can imagine something and what I imagine comes to life on screen, that problem is solved. And I think that's the next frontier, you know, and we are going increasingly to, towards that. And I'm super excited about that. But right now, the biggest barrier is language. So... As an entrepreneur, I would say learn everything that you can do with language w- with the view and understanding that this is not the end, this is just the beginning, and be on the lookout for the next things that are coming out. And if you are somebody who has the means and, and capability to build that next thing, then do it, right? So because right now there are there's like things like Dolly, Mid Journey, Stability AI. Essentially, they're all doing the same thing. You give it a prompt, it tries to do it for you. The next frontier is going to have to be what I imagine comes to life. And that's where we need to start to crack next.
0: Wow, that's some pretty crazy stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and this is, I get this, right? Like the the concept, olden concept is garbage in, garbage out, right? So in the olden days, if when we're talking about computers and code, Computers are only as good as the instructions you gave them, right? And now we call it prompting, right? So when you prompt like something like Chat GPT or these other text based solutions, it's only going to be as creative as you can get with your prompt, right? And today, that's why a lot of prompt writers are actually, you know, if you can get really good at it, you can actually create some great stuff. And eventually, my understanding is there's going to be AI layers that sit in the middle that. Are, for lack of better words, prompt creators that are done by AI, they learn what you like and you give them the most rudimentary instructions and they're going to advocate on your behalf to the other systems and ultimately create what you want. Is that kind of an intermediary step?
1: That's only maybe the next step, but there are already brain machine interfaces where, let's say, if you think about a horse, it will show you the picture of a horse. It, this is already there. Wow. But then it's a matter of getting more, more and more granular. Imagine the actual Dali, you know, that the creator Dali. You know, he imagined things and then he would draw it. But most of us don't have the ability to do that, you know, to paint it. But we have the ability to imagine, and there are times where we come up with things in our imagination that then the next step is going to be like, how much can you tra- train your brain? to imagine things as vividly as possible because the more vivid you are able to imagine things, the easier it is for the brain interface to interpret that onto the screen.
0: Well, and also documenting what's in our imagination. How many of us have had... Ideas come to us when we're in the car, or we wake up and we had a dream, but we forget it, right? So that's going to be big business. I would eventually imagine if there's some way of taking a virtual snapshot, right, of our imagination that we could come back to later. I know it sounds crazy to say that, but maybe in five years we'll be saying, "Well, that's everyday thing."
1: <laughs> yeah, I think in five years we will definitely. I mean, there are already snippets of that sort of thing are happening, but I think definitely by the end of this decade, we are going to see. Yeah, more and more. Look, it's become so hard to give predictions because anything that you think could take a long time could happen sooner. We are now really just constrained by hardware.
0: Well, Somi, this has been a fascinating discussion. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about InPeak or they want to connect with Somi Ariane on the socials? Do you have a place you want to send them?
1: Yeah. So InPeak is InPeak, that's I N P ak.xyz. you can go in and explore go to the channels and look at some of the communities that are already creating there is an email you can email us if you want to create your own community there is a beta program that we can help you get on uh, and to follow any of the work that i do it's somi Ariane. one word everywhere is the same youtube twitter instagram linkedin is everywhere somi Ariane.
0: Cool. And that website, again, is in peak like a mountain peak, dot XYZ, correct? Yes. Thank you so much, Somi, for coming on and sharing your insights with us today.
1: Thank you, Michael.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W81. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter, and at Web3Examiner on Warpcast. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.